Is sprayer clean out something that's on your to-do list? Is it something you're actually doing diligently? That's what we're talking about, sprayer clean out, in this episode of Extreme Ags Cutting the Curve. Welcome to Extreme Ags Cutting the Curve podcast, where you get a guaranteed return on investment of your time as we cut your learning curve with the information you can apply to your farming operation immediately. Extreme Ag, we've already made the mistakes so you don't have to. Managing your farm's water resources is a critical component to a successful and sustainable farming operation. Advanced Drainage Systems helps farmers just like you increase their yields up to 30% with their technologically advanced water management products. Visit ADSPipe.com to see how they can keep your business flowing. Now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Hey there, welcome to another fantastic episode of Extreme Ag's Kind of Curve. I got Lee Lubers, Extreme Ag guy from Gregory, South Dakota, and I got Nick Flights. Nick is with a company called Pentair, and we're talking about sprayer cleanout. Uh, Lee has something cool uh, and lots of information to share about this. He's got two sprayer cleanout kits on his two sprayers in South Dakota, and we're talking about contamination. We're talking about little things that maybe you're not quite paying attention to that are probably costing you yield causing you damage, and also about winterization. Here we are recording this in mid-November, going into the new year. Is your sprayer cleaned out? Is it cleaned out properly? Is it properly winterized? And more importantly, during the season, are you properly cleaning it out? So, Lee, you've got all kinds of stuff to share on this. Actually, I think you introduced the topic. Um, Tell me how important this is to you. Incredibly important. Uh, Anymore, you're spending well over a half million dollars on a sprayer, uh, it's a key component to our operation and thousands of other operations. And uh, what I refer to as sprayer hygiene and clean out is it's critical for success. It's it's something you cannot ignore. So you've got this uh, this uh, deal, you know, this sprayer. And like you said, uh, you're changing products all the time. So we talked about before we hit the record button, two big components of this, Nick. Um it's the the during the season time, but switching between products. And you even said you hypothesized, if you shall. You said, I've wondered what the yield drag is when you're switching between products. And it, does it kill stuff? No. But does there is is there a, a contamination that is so slight that people don't realize that just grabbed me three bushels off my potential yield? Yeah. And so when I was my hypothesis was really related to to herbicide resistance and that if there is residue left in in the sprayer plumbing and we switch to a different crop, we switch to a different application, we think we're rotating out of that chemistry. But but in reality, with that residue that's trapped in that spray boom, it's slowly going to find its way out as we spray. And is there potential there that we're making sublethal doses of herbicides to fields where we we don't even realize it? And if that really, that sublethal, that micro rate could potentially there be putting selection pressure on a weed population uh, for herbicide resistance. And, and we may not know it. And that's, you know, that's the hypothesis I have, something I've often wondered. I, I can't say that there's, there's research or there's hard data showing that that is actually occurring in the field, but it is something that I think, uh, you know, some we need to look into because I do think it, there's some real validity to that, uh, that hypothesis. So Lee's nodding his head. Are we building up? Are we building up 
tougher weeds because of little, as an excess sub, lethal amounts of chemistry that's in the tank that then builds up resistance? Is this one of the reasons we have chemistry-resistant herbicides, uh, herbicide-resistant weeds? I agree a thousand percent with Nick's theory. Uh, we do sprayer clean out by the book, but I have watched uh, in our area neighbors. Uh, there was one in particular, every year he kept digging his crops more and more, switching. And it just kept, every year was getting increasing more and more and more. And for the first two years, he was blaming other people around him. Then it got to the point where he could be a mile from anything else that could be possibly be contaminated and nailing his crops. It finally got to the point he traded sprayers. And I bumped into him uptown after he traded, and I commented, hey, you traded sprayers. He goes, yeah, my other one was just getting so dirty, I figured it was time to do it. So he actually traded sprayers instead of cleaning it. But I could tell in his fields, first he was dinging the crops and the weeds. Instead of getting faster kills, he was getting slower kills. And one of our local co-ops is doing the same thing, too. Uh, finally ended up involving thousands of acres and a lot of upset customers because uh, some people are commenting that some things were not dying the way they should. So uh, you think about it, weeds adapt. That's what they're designed to do. And uh, they want to grow. And if you're throwing low rates at something, uh, you can build up resistance over generations. It, it can happen. And if you take someone who's going year after year after year doing this, I think you're on the path to resistance. Yeah, we can talk. I want to hear more about the problems and the examples of this. So the person who's listening to this says, all right, well, then what am I doing wrong with my clean out? And I think there's probably a, a little bit more than just, okay, you know, every, every every farmstead has a place over in a corner of the barnyard where you fill the thing up and you you let it bleed out with water. That's not getting the job done, I think is what I'm hearing here. So tell me what I need to know about getting my sprayer properly cleaned out. Nick? Well, I think one of the first things goes back to the actual the sprayer plumbing. And historically, our sprayer, the plumbing, they've left a length of pipe past the last nozzle body at each section. Uh, and that's an area where it product just dead ends and it can build up and get trapped over time. And it's hard to get it out once it gets past there. So if you've got uh, sprayer plumbing that has a dead end section past nozzle bodies, I would recommend trying to remove that and get the last nozzle body right there at the end of the boom plumbing. That's going to reduce that dead end space for stuff just deadheads and gets stuck. And that's going to help uh, get product out of the boom where it doesn't build up. So that's, and by that's the way, I want to point this out that first off, you wonder why that why they're made that way. Why is there an extra 18 inches of pipe after the last nozzle? I don't know because I don't I'm not in the manufacturing uh, business of machinery, but also the person that's saying, Nick, it's 18 inches of of pipe on, on both ends of my boom past the sprayer, and, and it's a thousand gallon tank. You're talking about a, a couple of quarts of product uh, 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 in there. It doesn't seem like it should matter. You can pack a lot of, you know, atrazine or dry flowable, wettable powder products like that. A lot of our uh, pre-emerge herbicides are dry products that we dissolve in the suspension. You can pack a lot of that into the ends of those booms. And, um, you know, once it starts to build up, it just kind of compounds on itself. 
and it's going to inch closer and closer to that last nozzle um, and, and build up more and more uh, as you continue spraying with those products. So it's, look, it's, is it a huge, you know, game ending deal? No, but we're really about trying to increase our, our, our efficiency, our precision, do all these things. And so small gains and, and small changes can really add up over time when we're trying to uh, be, be more precise and more efficient. So um, is it a huge deal? No, but is, is it a, a problematic issue? Yes, it is. And, and I believe that correcting it uh, can really, uh, you know, bring some nice, nice benefits and gains and, and productivity. And All right. Sprayer plumbing is number one on sprayer clean out. Lee, you take number two, whatever you think the most important thing about getting product out of there. How, how, how do you go about getting the, how do you go about Tell me the fundamental part of you. You're going to uh, clean out a sprayer here at the end of this week. What's what do you think about? He says sprayer plumbing. You can't change. Well, you can change that. But assuming your sprayer plumbing is correct, then what? Uh, well, I'll answer number two, but I'd like to elaborate more on number one that leads into it. Ten years ago, fifteen years ago, we we're using a lot of high volume products. Now, as they're bringing the rates down from a half gallon down to four yep. ounces or a tenth of an ounce. Yep. It's gotten more into clay-based and dry foldables, which that's where these problems can happen. And then those dead spots that we call them in our boom. And even in the end, when you're circulating in the pressure, even if it's sitting there, just the flow of the water in that system is going to just pull a little bit out and kick it back into the system. And we're we're working with different products than we used to. So we, we noticed over the years, we are increasing sediment levels. And also we went from a simple, well, you had one spray tip when we started to three. Now we're getting into five and seven uh, nozzle bodies and we're getting larger, we're getting electronic nozzle bodies. We're getting a lot more areas that we can build sediment in and so we realized that this is just slowly changing and we wanted to stay ahead of it. So it's all about keeping your system clean through the season, uh, good quality water, uh, treated water. That, that's a must. And then when we're getting to the end of a crop, uh, we do by the book, a triple rent uh, full system. And uh, we do not go low flow. We go high flow. And when we're doing something like switching from extend or if you're doing enlist, Liberty, anything like that, where you could really be damaging the next crop, yep. we'll even do it kind. I mean, you'll do what? 20 minutes is not going to kill you. What's, you'll do what? You'll do it multiple. You're talking about rinses of the. We'll, we'll even do it two times. You know, when you're done with a big project, it's not going to hurt you another 20 minutes sitting there and do it. And then we'll even, we will put in a tank cleaner and uh, let it set for either hours or overnight. So that helps loosen everything up in the system. Then we're ready for our tank clean outs the next day. When I make my cup of coffee, then we go get everything whistle clean. So I didn't think about this. So you're, you're put a, you put a product in, uh, so you fill the thing clear up and put a product in to, to get anything that adheres adheres to the side of the tank? Uh, what we will do is uh, we'll do, you know, uh, a complete three three system 
go through everything, triple rinse one or two times, uh, depending what products we're working with. Especially if it's more clay-based, we're going to do it two times. You know, we don't want to take a risk. Uh, and then we will just put in 100 gallons of water and we put in a tank cleaner and it's on agitate and then let it sit. Walk away for a little while. Uh, you can find other projects to do on the farm. Yeah. And, and then we come back and then that has went and it's gotten to every little place in the sprayer with that cleaner that's helping loosen everything up and getting those insolubles back to soluble so we can go and put it out the kit with the clean out kit. Nick, I, I, I'll admit here, you know, you and I met a couple of years ago. We've been in fields at 10 o'clock at night. Uh, we, we, we've got we've got some history here. I thought you were a little bit of a sprayer geek when I met you. I'm like, good God, this is this 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 is overkill. This is too much. And now I'm kind of hearing like, no, nah, this stuff matters. This stuff matters. So admittedly, uh, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm fessing up here. When I first met you, I thought you were a sprayer geek. You got to be because this this stuff has real ramifications. Yeah, sprayers are one of the, the most used implements on the farm. You know, if not the most used nowadays, they're, they're used throughout the season and, and there's more technology built into them, uh, more features and benefits that can be unlocked. So if uh, you're not offended me calling me a sprayer geek, you know, I'll, I'll accept that. But uh, um, I, I think it's good to have, have some of us around to, uh, uh, to really understand everything that's going on and, and get the most efficiency we can out of sprayers. This is the first I've heard about a, th a product that actually goes in that's supposed to take chemistry and and you know stuff that adheres to the walls or to the pipes and get it off there. Is this common practice? Do other people use the? Do other people do stuff as diligently as Lee? I'm guessing no. There are several companies that make you know tank and, and spray system cleaners uh, that are, are somewhat commonly used. Um, I. I don't often hear people being as thorough and diligent as Lee was talking about um, doing the triple rinse, doing it twice. If you need to putting that product in uh, cleaner into the tank and then agitate for a while. Um, I don't hear that often, but it is good to hear because I do think it is good practice, especially with a lot of the new sprayer technology. It's using solenoid valves, electronic nozzle bodies and that um, adopting those practices is going to prevent uh, performance issues and clean out issues when you go to spray. So it, it's really going to pay dividends in, in the end, in my opinion. What about Lee? <clears throat> what about the, uh, the person that uh, you talked about, you know, the, the, the ding, because the person that's listening to this says, I don't know, that's a lot of messing around. I'm not sure it really matters. These products are so good. Uh, it doesn't matter. You've got several examples of like, no, I think it really matters. Like is, tell me about the real cost. Uh, why do you want to risk uh, damaging hundreds or even thousands of acres of your own crop and taking away the efficacy of your products? You want to maximize what you're putting on. Uh, let's just say the next thing you go do is fungicide. And, oh, but with contamination, you've taken 30, 40% out of your efficacy. Or you switch chemicals and you do the same thing. You're, you're not only losing yield, you're really wasting money in what you're putting on next. Right. And and what you described there, you know, you, you said, okay, well, I don't have time for that. Well, first off, you can overnight it. And you said that. So the other trick that you do is you overnight it, use a sprayer clean out product. What about that plumbing thing? 
uh, that, that Nick talked about. Is your is, did you reconfigure your sprayer so there's not some dead end uh, where residue builds up? Uh, well, like Nick elaborated on, we're getting so much more electronic and solenoids. It used to be everything was a mechanical valve that you did. Now it's push button, and uh, there's so many more places where you can get potential dead spots or uh, uh, material to adhere to. And so one of my first conversations with Nick is when he talked about his sprayer cleanout kit, his boom kit. And I'm, I'm like, oh, man, th this this could be awesome. And and it has been. It's been huge for us. Nick, when I think about the the sprayer clean out and the contamination, that's one thing. And then let's talk about winterization. So when I the importance of doing this going into winter, because the you know, there's, there's the angle like I'm done, I'm ready to put my feet up. It's been a long season, it's drained. Isn't that enough? You say no. Well, it's it's good to go ahead and do do some extra leg work now to prevent having to do it in the spring. Uh, and, and getting things really cleaned out good, like Lee's talking about, preventing buildup in there, um, especially if you're using like a PWM system, these electronic solenoid valves. You know, it's good to get everything cleaned out very, very thoroughly. Um, it's also uh, good to get things winterized well. Uh, if you're in a colder climate, uh, like Lee is, we certainly don't want to avoid any freeze issues. So getting all that water flushed out, getting a winterizing fluid into the system, and that's really all parts, all parts that uh, that handle water. That can be the, the front fill hose, uh, chemical reductors, all that. Getting everything uh, filled up with the winterizing fluid is going to be very important uh, to, to withstand the winter. And this is really all just trying to set things up for you better in the spring. So that when it's time to go in the spring, you're not having to replace sprayer parts. You're not having to work on your sprayer. It's going to be ready to go and you can start spraying immediately. You know, trying to find sprayer parts in the spring is always tough because that's when everybody's trying to buy them. And there tends to be a lot of back order issues on parts, uh, nozzles, nozzle bodies, fittings and that. So trying to avoid those situations is really what we're after right now uh, with good winterization practices. All right. So what are good winterization practices? Lee, for God's sakes, we know that you know winter in Gregory, South Dakota. So, so let's talk about winterization. You've got one sprayer that's still, you got one unit that's out there here. We're recording this mid November. You've got one unit still out crossing some acres. I don't know what you're putting on, but when this thing comes in at the end of this week, when you're done for the season, what are you going to do? Uh, we are not going to cut. Wait, 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 wait. Would you agree that you think, you know, winter? I mean, would you say that compared to those Southern guys like Matt and Chad and Kevin, you know, winter? Yeah, we got a little bit of experience with it. <laughs> yeah. In our neck of the woods. Well, really the, in the colder climates, you talk to anyone who, uh, sells sprayer parts or dealers every spring, they can tell you stories about the guys that did not do it correctly. Yeah. I mean, uh, there can be some wild stories of stuff that they see. Uh, one uh, tech that we know well, he was telling us a story several years ago where one guy didn't want to go and spend the money for the pre-mixed uh, special antifreeze that you put in with the water. So they threw in diesel fuel in their sprayer. They go, well, diesel's not going to freeze. 
Well, I took all the seals, everything, pump seals, boom seals, all seals out of the sprayer. Uh, another guy didn't think it was a big deal to uh, clean out his booms. And then he sends him a picture of foot-long icicles in the middle of January. He goes, is this bad? I mean, major damage is done. And like Nick said, uh, parts can be scarce at times. I mean, spring is go time. You want to be you want to be ready to go to the field, not go. Oh, we got to go spend a week and thousands of dollars fixing everything now. Yeah. So what do you what do you? Yeah. By the way, you're saying that there was still water in the boom and it froze solid as a yeah solid as a rock. Um. By the way, what's I didn't even think about this. So you you bring the unit in. You said something about antifreeze. Ideally, there's no liquid in the thing. So why do I need antifreeze? Uh, we run, it's a premix that we get from our dealer and it's made specially for sprayers. It's a winterizing fluid. And, but before we do that, we make sure everything is pulled apart and dry. And even, uh, down at your inductor can be a real, that's a very common place where you can end up where you think, oh, I've got everything clean, but there's a cup full that settles down in there. So even though it's not in the owner's manual, we're pulling off that coupler, draining it out dry. So uh, we do not want any place for actual water to retain because when it freezes, it swells, damage is going to happen. Yeah, it's going to so, expand and bust something. So exactly. so if, you, if you've got the thing completely dried out, which I'm sure some people don't do that extra effort, do I still need to put some antifreeze in? Uh, well, it's... You would refer to it as dry, but there's still water droplets inside, and that can lead to issues and sensors and solenoids. So many more solenoids on the sprayer than there was ten years prior. You know the technology's been great, but we've got to pay better attention to our spray systems because they, yes, they can perform more during the season, but we've got to take care of them in the off season. Especially okay, in the so colder. after you dry everything and you drain as best you can, you still go and dump in uh, some kind of a sprayer or antifreeze. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We will even go and uh, and uh, with Nick's kit, it's easy. We can just go and put on an adapter. We can go put on an air fitting, and we also go and purge with air, purge everything out, <clears throat> and then go and do the mineralizing fluid. So. We don't have to worry about anything hanging up that's not supposed to be there. How many gallons? How many gallons are you putting in? I mean, it's like a huge unit. I'm guessing it's not very much. It's really not that much because you're just getting it into the system, so it coats everything. You know, you're not throwing in a hundred gallons or something or anything like that. You know, it used to be in in the older days, even ten years ago, you literally went and got an entire drum of it. Yeah. Now we get two small jugs and you premix it and you're done. Okay. You know, volume is way less, but it's better quality material we are working with to help coat the parts. I, I'm guessing, Nick, this is not a common practice. Am I right? So a lot of what Lee's talking about is a common practice. Flushing things out, running antifreeze through it. Uh, now, what he said about uh, using our express flush valve and then hooking up to it an air hose to blow air out and do a strong air purge, that is not something I hear as commonly done to really flush out as much of that liquid as you can. So that was a really interesting comment and I think is uh, 
an interesting practice that I don't hear about very often. You got seven, five different spray tips. You and I have talked about spray tips before. Do I need to do I need to rotate every uh, nozzle and and blow them through, or is one sufficient? It's if you've used any of them recently, I think it'd be good practice to turn that nozzle body and try and make sure everything is clear. You know, there can be some liquid that can can get trapped in that nozzle or in that stem of that nozzle body. So, you know, just trying to 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 be thorough, I think it is good practice to to try and blow air uh, or or antifreeze through through your nozzles to to make sure you're going to get that any bit of trapped water out because it doesn't take a lot of water left in there that could freeze and, and lead to cracking or busting over the winter and i always say this is the best time of year to check your spray nozzles when you're yeah. winterizing go ahead and spray through them do a visual check pick a few do a quick uh, catch test make sure that they're not too worn that gives you all winter to source new spray nozzles if you need to. So you're not trying to do it in the spring when, when time is tight and when a lot of backward issues can occur on our end because there's such demand. Yeah. So uh, it, it, it's a lot about preventive maintenance. By the way, Lee was nodding his head. Do you, do your, you and your guys go out there and turn every, every uh, spray drop nozzle? Do you turn them to make sure they all get rinsed out? Uh, if it's anything we've used uh, this fall in the last two months, those tips we do. Anything that we used this last summer, we're not going to be worried about. So, mm-hmm. and it only takes a matter of minutes. You know, it, it's not a huge time investment. Well, you, you say that you know, hundred and what, hundred twenty foot boom, and you've got a spray a nozzle every what, like a couple feet. You know, that's that's a lot of fooling around, going and, and turning and doing all that. It's an easy part of the gig. <laughs> All right. So uh, get me out of here. I want to I want to make sure we do this justice. We talked about the problem We talked about because the person that's listening that says, I'm not sure this is that big of a deal. Uh, Lee just gave a great example. You're dinging your crops. You're 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 burning up yield uh, on stuff where just because you you, you, know, you did something wrong. What um, to the person that says, OK, I want to do a better job of this. What do you want to tell them, Nick? So I'd recommend, and Lee's talked, mentioned it with the clean-out kit. Um, you know, from us, it's called the Express Flush Valve. Um, a lot of people may be familiar with the Express NCAP, and, and that has been a product that's been on the market for several years. Uh, some OEMs like Agco, um, um, Equipment Technologies with the Apache sprayer, some of them have it as a standard option on the sprayer, the Express NCAP. That removes that dead-end space we talked about earlier. It puts the last nozzle body right at the end of the boom section. And that had a clean out plug you could take off. So you could openly access the end of the boom. You could pull that plug. You could really do a heavy flush and clean everything out very quickly and easily. But the the plug you took out of the end wasn't always easy to get in and out. You had to have tools. You had to have a bucket to keep them. So what we did is we, we created a stainless steel quarter turn ball valve. And this is what Lee's using on his sprayer called the express flush valve. It fits right on the end of the spray boom. So now if you want to open up the ends of your spray boom to flush them out and clean them out, all you have to do is flip that quarter turn ball valve open on each end of your boom. And it's going to save you, I mean, Lee can talk about his experience with time savings, um, but it's going to save you a lot of time and hassle. You don't need any tools or anything. It's really going to enable you to do a better job of cleaning your sprayer out 
because you're more likely to do it, you know, more often, more thorough if it's going to take less time and hassle. So, you know, from my perspective on the plumbing side, the hardware side, that's something I'd really look into uh, to, to save time, save hassle and gain efficiency. Lee, uh, the person that's listening to this, uh, we all know that it's like, this guy's a little bit anal retentive. This guy's overdone. I don't think it's that big of a deal. What's your, uh, what's your, what's your, what's your response to that? Well, it's all about getting acres per day. Yeah, we know that we have two sprayers in our operation, but we also want to maximize what we're doing with our sprayers and sprayer clean out, winterizing, doing things the way you need to do it. That is low hanging fruit when it comes to ROI. That is easy money. It pays you big time for the time that you invest. And uh, Nick's uh, clean out kits have been huge because sometimes we're spending up to two hours pulling apart nozzle bodies, cleaning out the stuff from clay based herbicides. And with his kit, now we eliminated that two hour step. And we yeah. do that multiple times a year. Yeah, I think that's you know the the obvious the obvious um, objection or excuse is going to be I don't have time. We got a lot of acres to cover, and you've systematically <laughs> said, okay, you're talking about twenty minutes. You're talking about an hour. You're talking about just doing something overnight. It's, it's not. <clears throat> there's no excuse. I guess there there are excuses, but there's really no excuse. Is what I'm hearing. That's how we feel on it. You get paid big time to do it this way. Yeah, and also you're covering so many acres with this thing, and and you know if it if if what you don't do costs you a bushel, it, 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 and you throw that bushel on every acre, all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, you're talking about you didn't have an hour to go ahead and do this right? It seems like maybe that's the the answer, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Nick, flights, company Pentair. A self-admitted sprayer geek, Lee Lubers, one of my favorite guys to ever record with. I got to tell you, probably two of my favorite episodes I've ever recorded, and I've been doing this now. We've got more than 200 of these episodes out there. We talked about earthworms. If you are just sitting around this winter, I encourage you, go back and find the episodes I've recorded about he and Terry, his brother, starting out. And then the other one is about the value of earthworms and how he made the switch to no-till. Two of my favorite episodes I've ever recorded. There's hundreds of episodes like this. It's called Cutting the Curve. It's at ExtremeAg.Farm. If it's the first time you've ever viewed it, I encourage you to go and check out. It's like a library of information you can use. It's all free. If you want to take your learning to the next level, you can become an Extreme Ag member for $750 a year. That's it, $750 a year. You'll get direct access to guys like Lee. Hey, I want to go a little more in-depth on this. I have a question about sprayer stuff. I want to find out more. Or you can do a question and answer session if you're a member of Extreme Ag. You also get exclusive content and you get benefits from our sponsors. Awesome stuff. Become a member of Extreme Ag if you are not already. But if you don't want to, you want to dip your toe in, just go ahead and check out all the great stuff at ExtremeAg.Farm. Also follow us on Facebook and on Twitter, ExtremeAg.Farm, and find all of our hookups there. Till next time, I'm Damian Mason. Thanks for being here. Awesome discussion. Thanks, Lee. Thanks, Nick. Out of here. That's a wrap for this episode of Cutting the Curve, but there's plenty more. Check out ExtremeAg.Farm, where you can find past episodes, instructional videos, and articles to help you squeeze more profit out of your farm. Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Advanced Drainage Systems. 
the leader in agriculture water management solutions.